0: This morning I woke up early, um, as I normally do, um, pretty early, and I heard this. Uh, we have a fan on in our room, and uh, it just started shh, and I thought, who switched the fan up? So I went across. The fan wasn't uh, was on low, and I looked out the window, and it was belting down. How many of you felt that this morning? This incredible shower of rain and. Uh, So I thought, first thing I did was think about today and said, oh no. But then the thought came is, isn't God absolutely amazing? On the weather report, it was supposed to rain yesterday and not rain today. And it it was um, sunny, well, warm and cozy yesterday with no rain and it rained today. And I just want to tell you, we've done Love Your City for 21 years now. It was never like it is now. It started with about 30 or 40 with us, driving a flatbed trailer onto the grass before the the band shell was there and anything was there, and putting a band on that, plugging it into that cable at the back of the Blusham block. And uh, that's how Love Your City started, with uh, our home barbecue. And... um, it's grown into this, uh, and I'm just so thankful and grateful we couldn't have done it without you. Uh, and, uh, but I want to say, and this is what I want to speak about today, is that as much and as beautiful love your city is, we've, we've got to be careful that we don't fall into the trap that evangelism becomes an event. Like we've done our evangelism thing for the year, and now we can move on. And do church as we normally do. And that's not God's heart. To me, it's more like a a springboard to what God wants to do. And I was thinking this morning about the rain and being outside today. And I just felt a prophetic picture in my heart from God. You know, the rain is of refreshing the, the Spirit. He says He'll pour out His Spirit on all flesh. And that was a serious rain. And while I was thinking about this, I was thinking, isn't this absolutely amazing? And I said, God wants to move in our city. God wants to move in our nation. He wants to roar like a lion out of, over our nation. And it's up to us and you and I to be the ones that take the gospel and spread the gospel. Not on a, as an event, but as a lifestyle, we're going to talk a bit about that more. But more than that, too, as I was thinking about it, once again, being outside on this field. And I just want to thank uh, the school because they, they provided the tents and that uh, so we can meet outside here. And next week we'll be back in there and the next barbecue will be outside of that building. So um, please come to that. But God has called us, and He showed me this actually um, a long time ago, that the church he is building is a church without walls. It's not a place where we meet in a meeting on a Sunday to do our religious act of duty. But it's a lifestyle. You see, we are the church. You and I are part of the church of the living God. And so, in a sense, we don't go to church we are the church, they gather as the church, and the reason we gather is to be for twofold, simply to this, to be, um, sorry here, I just, this is in my notes, not in my notes, but I want to make sure I have them so I don't lose, lose too much track, but it's the, the reason that God gives us to, to, um, gets us to meet is simply twofold, to be equipped and be encouraged. For works of service, to be sold in light in the city that He takes us to. And you see, I just want to remind us that our message is our life, and it tells a story every day, a story that can either have a positive or a negative impact on people's lives. Our call is simply this, it's a simple call, is to know Jesus intimately, to fall in love with Him. And to take the Jesus we know and have experienced and share that with the, Him, with the neighbors and the nations. We cannot give what we don't have. And so we come together and this isn't in, is uh, in a sense is the huddle where we come together and we've been playing hard in the game of life and we get a bit beaten up and we get a bit discouraged and we come here to be re encouraged, re 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 encouraged, replaced. The courage that we have lost, replaced in our lives. To know Jesus and to make Him known. To be a shining light in a dark world through our love for people expressed in and through our good deeds. Our mandate as a church, and you'll see it on, on our website and all, our, our, um, all places, is to be a gathering, healing, training, and sending church. That's the mandate. We're to gather like today in community. We're to be healed and restored in the body of Christ. We're to be equipped and then we're to be sent It's like a conveyor belt. And my challenge for us as we go into this next season is for us to become that more and more. Understanding that your and my mission field is not necessarily in India and um, the Congo or wherever God sends us. Our mission field is where we live, our neighbors. Our mission field is the people we see, on the streets, our mission field is in our workplace. That is our primary mission field. And how we conduct ourselves in our mission field has a direct impact on people's lives on a daily basis. It's very easy, I know that, to go to India and for two weeks just be on power, fire for Jesus. How many of you have been there? How many have been in there so exciting and you're just going for God and everything's great and then uh, we come home and we pull the park brake up again? God's intention is for this city as much as anybody else. And I'm just amazed and overwhelmed by the fact that we still have the opportunity to share the gospel like we did in a city like Nanaimo. Not many places in the world can we still do that. And yet God has given us grace upon grace. You see, Jesus framed His ministry by simply two words. The first one is to come. And John 7, 37, he says this, on the last, and 38, he says, On the last and day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And that's what we've come to do now, to dig a well, a well of salvation. The Bible says that we to draw from the wells of salvation. And he says, And whomsoever believes in me, as the Spirit has said, Rivers of living life will flow from within them. Rivers of refreshing. Rivers of life. We know where there are no rivers and when there's no rain, there's no life. And He wants to flow out of us. So we come to Him to be refreshed. But He also frames it to go. And we're so easy and we can forget the going part because we love the coming part. We love coming together. This church is a church that has got an incredible community. We love each other. We care for each other. But it has to be for a purpose. And that's to go. We know the Great Commission, and I just want to say it again today. Repeat it. People say, I've heard it. I've said I've heard it and heard heard it, but are we living it? And he said, came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And these are the words, the two words, that makes a difference. It says, therefore, go. Therefore, go. And what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to make disciples of all nations. We're supposed to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're supposed to teach them to obey everything that He has commanded us to do. And the amazing thing, he goes with us. For surely he is with us to the very end of the age. You see, another thing about Jesus and we to be like Jesus, he framed his ministry on those two things to come and to go. But he went and was motivated by compassion, by love. Often the churches. Misrepresented Jesus' heart to the people. Sometimes we've been very judgmental and we've done and said things that we shouldn't have done. And as we realize those things, all we simply have to do is confess them to Jesus, repent of them, and He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness and put us back on track. You see, the cues of the enemy, one of the things He will use to hinder your Witness is condemnation. You say, you want to walk out? I'm going to go and serve God. I'm going to do the things that God's called me to do. And he says, yeah, but remember last time. Remember what you said last year. Remember who you were. Remember what you did. And we need to remind him as he reminds us as our past. We need to remind him that we have a glorious future in Jesus Christ. And the fact that he paid the price for our sins, past, present, and future. And he says this, as he's looking out with compassion over the fields. Matthew 9.36. He says this. Well, John writes this over him, about him. He says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. When you go and you're amongst the hurting and the lonely and the lost, it's very easy to get compassion. It's very easy to be grateful that we weren't sleeping in that rain this morning, that we weren't under a bridge, that we couldn't have a meal. It's very easy to lose compassion. But when we start touching people, when you start caring for them, it's not our responsibility to save them. How many of you could save yourself? Nobody. Jesus does the saving. But what we do through love and good deeds, we begin to shine a light that uh, removes the darkness and softens the heart. And so the imperishable seed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, in word and deed, can take root. And sometimes it takes a while before it matures, it could be years. And something happens, and they remember that person that on the street loved them and cared for them and told them Jesus loved them. A little bit of my story, just a little bit, is I was in a really bad accident um, uh, before I got saved. My wife was saved, and I wasn't. But I'd heard the gospel, and I was pretty much left for dead. I shouldn't be here today. I'm not kidding you. I was um, uh, in ICU, and they told my wife that I'd die. And while I was unconscious, I'm telling you right now, I began to cry to God without saying a word. People didn't even know I was doing that. And I asked God to save me. And when did I learn that? I learned that by somebody else hearing the gospel, often over and over just by going to church with my, my life. And I said this to God in 1986, I think it was, that if you save my life, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And some of us just need a gentle nudge, but I needed like a good smack. But he got my attention. So I understand the grace of God. And yes, we're to share the gospel so that they can understand it. But then what we do is we water the gospel with love and good deeds. And we we empower the gospel through prayer. And as we do that, we'll see lives change. I think we're going to be surprised who we see in heaven and who we may not see. I think if I was watching the crucifixion with Jesus in the middle and the two thieves, and maybe I would, would have, if I was one of the disciples I would have known who Jesus was. But I would be absolutely sure that both of those thieves were going to hell. But only one did. The, one, the other one said, Jesus, remember me. He said, I know who you are. Remember me. Acknowledge Jesus Christ. And then that conversation on the cross that nobody heard, nobody but the two thieves, Jesus said, today you'll be in paradise with me. This is a gracious and compassionate God. But without seed, without the seed of the gospel, there's nothing that can grow. Without the word of the Holy Spirit. Without kindness and love. And we as a people here, we could change the city and the nation one person at a time. If a church was 20 people and reached two pe- one people, person each in a year, it would be 40 people. If a church of 500 reached out to one person there would be a thousand people in the church. Just one. And if those 500 that have been reached by the other 500 reach one, can you see how the gospel can take root and go? God is not looking for super apostles and super evangelists to do all the work. God is looking for the priesthood of all believers to go in the authority and the power in the name of Jesus Christ and take ground back for Him. You see, we need to understand that not one of us here is today by accident, or not one of us today is in Nanaimo or Canada, wherever we're from, by accident. The Word of God says in Isaiah that a church, in a sense, is the planting of the Lord. To display splendor. But in Acts 17. Paul at Mars Hill. Says this. He says from one man. In preaching the gospel. From one man. God made every nation of men. That they should inhabit the whole earth. And he. Listen to this. Determined. The time set for them. The Bible says the time is written in a book. And the exact Places that they should live. Isn't that absolutely amazing? We think we're here randomly, and yes, we can wander from God's will. I understand all of those kind of things, but we are here for a purpose. In this city of 120 Greater Era thousand, there's less than 5,000 people that go to church. So we've got a huge mission field. And it bounces off things like love your city and they're important and and doing evangelistic crusades. But the church has relied so much on those that has forgotten the purpose of each one of us as the priesthood of all believers. And he says this, like I said, God did this so that through them, so that through you and through me, men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him. We don't know which men are going to reach out for him. But perhaps some will. Paul is saying. And find him. Though he is not far from any of us. Jesus is not far from one person in this world. But we are his hands. We are his feet. We are his mouth. And we represent him. So therefore, it is important church how we conduct ourselves. Paul speaks of that in Philippians 1, going into Philippians 2, that we're to conduct ourselves in word and deed in a manner that brings worthy to, worth to the gospel, that is worthy to the gospel. And then he tells us how to be completely humble, to be teachable and all of those things. And then he uses the example of Jesus Christ who laid down his life the, the, uh, for us. Don't read that passage. Because our conduct is something that people see more than what they hear. We all know that when we go into a restaurant, and that restaurant, the guys poured in a million dollars, He's done everything right. He's got everything in place and it's working well and all of that. And you sit at a table with one grumpy waiter or waitress and you condemn the whole restaurant or the whole bank or the whole store. These guys have given their lives to to build this thing. It's their dream. And one person can wreck it. And Jesus gave His life for us. And for us to represent Him. We are not purpose, perfect. God understands that. The disciples were not perfect. But our heart is to be a representative of Jesus Christ as a people. See, a church mo- motivated by compassion that is, is not afraid to leave the comfort of the holy huddle... Of the 99. And that huddle is important. It's like in the middle of a game. The guys come together to be equipped. But if God is looking for the one. That will go on a rescue mission. For the ones that are lost. The ones that are not afraid. To love and hug the prodigals. Even though they might smell like pigs. It understands that the mission and purpose is not um, distracted by every new is not to be distracted by every new Christian fad or new book by every wind of doctrine. It's interesting that somebody write a book on what has happened in their church and it's happening why? Because they sought God. They prayed and He gave them a strategy. And that strategy may work somewhere else, but it never ever works better than the place where the guy that wrote it. And we try and emulate that instead of saying, God, what have you called us to? What are you saying us to? And we can say, Yeah, what did you do? and we can say. But if that revelation doesn't become our revelation, it's second hand revelation. And second hand revelation, like milk, has a shelf life. It goes sour. So we get the book on evangelism, on, on this and that, and how to do this and how to do that, and how to become this. And uh, we try and apply it with uh, this revelation that they have. Instead of us saying, God, give me, give us a revelation... But what you want to do in and through this church in the city. I love the fact that we're on a place called Jingle Pot on uh, uh, the uh, backside of Nanaima. I love the, the fact that we're here in a sense, not a high prof- without a high profile. I love the fact that God is using us in spite ourselves. But there's so much more, and I just sense it. And I sense it even today that God says, I'm building a church that has no walls, no boundaries, no borders. And I want to pour out my spirit upon it. And didn't that just happen today? Isn't that amazing? You see, his primary focus for the church is his call and commission. A church that lives for itself is safe and comfortable. Great place. And don't get me wrong. This is not just outward focus. There's the inward focus where we come to the huddle to be trained and equipped. So please don't hear that. And this is important. But there's the other side of it. But a lot of places and a lot of I've been to that it seems like the focus is all inward. And we can fall into that trap and maybe we have. But a church of impact and influence exists for the benefit of others. It does not simply talk the talk, it walks the walk. A church of impact has an unshakable devotion to Jesus Christ, His name and His word. It has a Christ-centered boldness and always speaks the truth in love. It strives to bring glory to God in all it does. And is identified by unconditional love. I'm going to finish with the scripture. Jesus is in the upper room. He's speaking to his disciples. It's good to go and um, read. His last words before the crucifixion, we know in the resurrection he spoke to him. Because last words are always important words. If you read 2 Peter, you see Peter's last words. He says, listen, you know, I'm, I'm about to go now. <laughs> I'm going to go. He knew he was crucified for his faith. We know in Timothy's, Timothy's last words, he said to Timothy... My time for departure has come. Both of them knew that God was taking them home. And both of them were martyred for their faith. But the words they speak in those times are not, hey, how's the weather? What you doing? Chilling out. They're words chosen by them to impart not only into the church, but into the, the, the sons and daughters that they loved at the time. And Jesus says this to his disciples. In John 13, 34 to 35. It says, a new command I give you. They say, what? Another one. (laughs) Love one another. Love one another. Start here. As I have loved you, so must you love one another. And this is the amazing thing. He says after that, by this. By this one thing. Shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another? This inward, outward focus. People will be drawn to a people who, in love, in love with God and in love with each other. You see, the church that Jesus is building, He says He is identified by love. Not by great teaching, not by great music, not by great buildings. All of those wonderful things that are tools for us to get the gospel forward, but by love. And so here's the key to me. As we come together, we need to pray for each other and love each other. We need to reach out. And as the church grows, that becomes harder to know everybody. But we, re- we, get what we, uh, we reap what we sow. So if you're lonely and looking for friendship and you find somebody else that seems lonely and looking for friendship, go and love on them. And you'll see what will happen. Often I'm saying, God, oh man, I'm I'm feeling like this. I feel sorry for myself or whatever. God says, well, go and reach out out to somebody who's sorrier than you. (laughs) His condition is worse than yours. I have the privilege of um, going to some nations that, and one of them is Haiti, and we're having the pastor from the church here come in November to share with us. And I promise you, when I come out of Africa or places like Haiti and I get to Canada, I want to fall on the ground and kiss the ground. We are so privileged. So privileged. And what that does when we do that, instead of bringing condemnation, it should bring gratitude. And so reach out to others. You see, we can't give what we don't have. But love, this is the trick of the enemy. The enemy will tell us that love is achieved. You have to prove your love. You have to prove your love. If you don't do this, if you don't do that, if you don't do that, then you can't love God. We're all sinners, saved by grace. And we all fall short of the glory of God, but for the grace of God. But God's love is not received. Do you know how God's love comes? It's not achieved, it's received. And do you know how it's received? Romans 5, 5 says, God's love is poured into our hearts by His Holy Spirit. It's by spending time in His presence. It's why God doesn't, God's not lonely or insecure that, so we have to, if, to come to Him every day. But God wants us to come and spend time with Him so that He can empower us and encourage us. And when our love tanks go low, and they often do, instead of saying, I'm going to work harder, Instead of doing that, just come into the presence of God. Say, God, I'm a leaky person. That tank is empty. Will you fill me up again? Will you fill me with your presence? Will you fill me with your love, your joy, your peace? The things that I need in my life. God. So I can walk in the overflow. It's all we have to do. Call unto Him. And when we call, He answers us. He shows us the unsearchable things we do not know. And when then we are led by the Spirit and we go out there and we're slapped silly by the world and it all leaks out, we come back again. God, fill me with Your presence. Fill me with Your love. Break my heart for the love. Let me see the compassion on the multitudes that You see and I promise You... Your heart begins to soften, not because we've changed, but God is changing us in us, doing the change in us. Because it's all by grace. And we can leave a message like this saying, well, I'm not doing this, I haven't done enough. Forget about yesterday, it's gone. It's gone. And if we repent of it, it's forgotten. He separates our sin as far as the East is from the West and chooses to remember it no more. We keep reminding God of stuff He's forgotten. Not that He's forgetful, but in His sovereignty He said that. And we come to Him again and say, Today God, today one more step, one more step, one more step. Fill me again. He says, that's my boy, that's my girl. I'm proud of you. I love you. And I share that love with others. Can we bow our heads? The worship team can come forward. I just want for us for a moment. If you are weary the Bible says that we can be even become weary of doing good. God, I've tried. I've done so much good. I've tried to do so many things well. But I'm tired my love tank's empty I don't feel like it It's a kind of prayer that God loves because it's an honest prayer And for a moment maybe we can do something on the holy spirit or something And for a moment I'm just going to pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to come upon us for the presence of God to come and if you are feeling unloved today or condemned or whatever it is God wants to fill you up and wants to remind you that because you are in Christ there is no more condemnation because the law of the of life, of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death I want to remind you today that it's not how we start the race it's not even how we run the race it's that we finish the race and God is calling us crack pots, clay pots Filled with this treasure, this treasure to simply be who we are. He's wanting to fill us afresh. He wants to remind us of his heart for the lost, of his compassion for the multitudes. Wants us to go with all authority in his name that he's given us in the power of the Holy Spirit to be a witness and an ambassador here. If the Holy Spirit just Holy Spirit rained down. Bring refreshing. Bring restoration. Bring hope. Bring freedom. Bring deliverance today. Break the power of condemnation. that is like a ball and chain on our leg. And fill us, Lord, fill us today with your love your mercy and grace we are just going to worship for a little while I just think if you just sit there for a while and maybe open your hands just to receive what the spirit of the Lord will have you receive for a while just take a short time